0: Hello and welcome to Triathlete Live here in Boulder, Colorado. My name is Emma-Kate Lidbury and we are joined today by the strength and conditioning coach, Erin Carson. Erin, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Mahalo. Thank you. Hey, hey. you're just back from Hawaii, right? So, Lucky me. <laughs> nice. Yep. Plenty of aloha here. Right. Okay. Well, so for those of you who don't know Erin, Erin is a strength and conditioning coach with uh, 30 years experience in the field. She is a very well-known triathlon coach, uh, triathlon strength and conditioning coach. Some of her clients include Marinda Carfrey, three-time Ironman world champion, and Timothy O'Donnell, last year's Kona runner-up. Uh, she's a co owner of Rally Sport Gym here in Boulder, um, and there isn't much Erin doesn't know about strength. Strength, <laughs> strength is your strength.
1: <laughs> well, I like to think that there's a lot more to learn. There, right. I think we're, I think we're still at the very beginning of of how strength training lends itself really well to performance specifically right. in endurance sports so it's a pretty exciting time
0: actually right 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 and uh Aaron was on our show last year you were the one of the most uh, popular shows uh, we definitely have more questions coming in from for people from people about strength and wanting to know you know how to include it in their workout in their workout program into their you know training around racing Um, We had so many questions that we just thought, well, we better get you back this year. Um, First show of the 2020 season, we have a lot more shows lined up for you. Um, But yeah, before we uh, get too uh, into into your resume and into your background, we'll come to all that. But we have a lot of questions already that we've had submitted from social media. So we'll dive into some of those. And then we do want to remind people at home that this is a live show. You can uh, submit comments and questions at any point, and Erin will do her best to answer them. So, Keeping uh, in mind, I don't know any of the questions anyway. No. So this is we, <laughs> this is fun. We've not shown Erin any of the questions. <laughs> I've got them all. So uh, we'll start out with some easy ones. Okay. But um, So Erin, how do you get started when you're first adding in strength training?
1: Massive question. Um, I think we have to look at the why. why. Why do you want to add strength into your program? Because swim, bike, run... Takes so much of our time to start with. And I think that's why this topic might be, um, really interesting to our, our audience in endurance sports. And, um, if we can make the why strong enough, uh, why should you do this? Um, then I think we can get, uh, we can get a lot more participation and we're going to end up with a, a much healthier group of humans. So I think I'm going to just answer that question from four different perspectives. Go really quick. Um, if you're under 30, I think you should add strength into your program to make you faster. Um, if you're over 30, I think you should add strength into your program to maintain and potentially provide a platform to get even faster in your 30s. Once you hit 40, that's pretty important time to start thinking about longevity in general. So one of my favorite hashtags... Uh, has been healthy before fit. And so once you hit 40, the strength training needs to be in place in a really strong position in that your technique is exceptional. Mm -hmm. Because once you get past 40, um, you really need to start adding a lot more external load, like the loading strategies should be bigger, um, just because we start getting our hormones a little bit different in in that phase of life. And then after 50, if we've gotten you into a really good place with technique, um, we can, there's no reason why we cannot get faster over 50, um, especially with a really, really good strength and conditioning program in place. And Mm -hmm. and you always want to make sure you have a good swim, bike, run coach, sports specific coach. Um, because that progressive overload, um, I think one of the reasons I've been so well received in the community is that I, I do defer to those coaches, to those strength, swim, bike, run coaches. Um, they are, they are the magic. Um, I, I hopefully just provide a platform from which the, the magic can, can evolve.
0: Right. Yep. Long answer, long answer, but there's a lot of those. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So we've already got some questions coming in. Linda wants to know, should we do strength before or after other training? Well, we're here,
1: um, early March, right? So the, the answer is different. So, I believe that through our off season, so those of us in the Northern Hemisphere, we're just starting our season. If you're in the Southern Hemisphere, um, you're just maybe entering, starting to think about entering into your off season. So, in my opinion, in the off season, the strength, the strength work in the gym can happen before the sport. Um, right. so, so off season, Let's let strength become a little bit more of the priority, right? But I think in the as we as we start to get into these lead-ups into racing, it's going to be really, really important that the sport take the priority. So unless there's an injury or an underlining weakness that we that the coach wants to see us work on, um, we like to do uh, swim and gym, bike and gym, or run and gym.
0: Right, got it. And then, how many strength sessions do you recommend that people do each week? Between two and three. Between
1: two and three. Okay. And, and and just frequency uh, between two and three times a week. But then the duration of those sessions, um, the it'll depend on you as an individual, as an athlete, how, how long you spend in the gym. But I think the biggest mistake you can make is spending longer than 40, 45 minutes in the gym. So I have athletes, um, very, very good athletes who only spend 20 minutes in the gym. And we have found that that's all they need. And we right. keep them um, progressing forward in the sport, but then some need a little bit more time to get warmed up maybe, or they need a, they need a little bit more movement, um, that kind of stuff. So I'll extend that session maybe to 40 minutes, but we really don't go much more than 20 to 40 minutes in the gym. Right.
0: And then if you're doing two or three sessions a week, obviously the complexity or the complexion of those sessions each time looks, might look a bit different.
1: Yes. And as, as we get into the season and this, and the, the, the focus is really on swim, bike, run. Then the the each individual, each of us needs to know what we need the most, and that differs from athlete to athlete. Right. So um, I think getting to know yourself and and maybe using the resources that you have available. Um, I'm pretty available um, and and want to be. Uh, supportive of our community. So if, even if you shoot me a question, like I do this, this, and this, what do I, what do I need to do? How do I need to do it? I'm pretty good about
0: answering most of those questions. Yeah. You're pretty active on social media. EC fit Boulder. And I know like your Instagram, Facebook, you're, you're very keyed into that community. So yeah, that's, that's a great, that's a great way to access Erin and and all of her, all of her knowledge. Yeah. Uh, Excuse me. Where should my strength sessions be placed in my training week so they don't impact my swim, bike, run sessions? Should you be fatigued when doing strength work? That's something. That's something that a lot of people get confused about. You know? It.
1: It. It. It's absolutely something that I think sets and has set the EC Fit methods. Um, apart from other traditional strength coaches because keeping in mind I I consider myself a very traditional strength coach um, I'm a certified strength and conditioning specialist my education is very strongly science based but what I have found uh, specifically with endurance athletes in and in, in order to not aggravate their coaches um, we have to we have to let the progressive overload principle which is which is the underlying principle of of Performance mm-hmm. uh, growth within a sport, we have to let that that progressive overload come from the sport coach. Right. Okay. So, so the little bit more wattage, and that what that means when you're in the gym, just because one of my favorite little uh, statements to make is just because you can doesn't mean you should. You know, people sometimes when when To is doing a, a bench press or a deadlift, they're trying to add up how much weight he's doing. You know, if, if T.O. comes in after a bike session that, that Coach Dibbins has given him, Julie Dibbins, um, and he's pretty trashed, I, if, if we do 100 pounds on the deadlift and it feels heavy to Tim, I listen to that. Right. And even though last time he might have done 220 you know, on the deadlift or the bench press, you know, people are like, well, he's only doing 30 pound dumbbells and that's, that's fine. I I challenge you to beat him in the swim, you know? Right. And if, and based on what he's done the day before or the day before that, then it's all cumulative. Exactly. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so in all the programs, we actually use the, we don't use exact weights in the in season, in the off season, we do in the off season, we do do progressive overload uh, strategies, but yeah. in the in season, things are either light, moderate or heavy, right? So we're looking to have people um, measure their intensity from those three perspectives, that feels heavy, and if it feels heavy, it, it's heavy. Right. Um, we also think that just when they should do those sessions, um, ideally, it's after your hardest swim, your hardest bike, and your hardest run of the week. So not letting as much time, like if you can, it, most people will swim and there's a gym associated, we'd love you to be able to get out of the pool uh, quickly transition because we're we're all pretty good at that, um, and get our hair done in like three minutes. So, um, you know, ideally, we'd like you to get out of the water and get in the gym. And even if you can only do ten or fifteen minutes, that counts as a gym session. Right. So, same thing, getting off the bike, um, even if it's only ten to fifteen minutes of specific work, um, we'd like that to happen as close as possible. Like, don't go eat lunch, have coffee with a friend, and then come back to the gym.
0: Right. So backing it up, backing up. We want sessions. to back it
1: up so that your recovery is, is real. Like get it, it all done. Then go to coffee with a friend. Got it. Yeah.
0: And everybody at home, keep, uh, keep bringing it, keep typing in your questions. Um, don't be shy. Erin is here too. We have questions here, but we also want to hear from you and we want, we want your questions coming in. So don't be shy. Keep talking to us. Erin <laughs> has so much knowledge. Uh, okay. Next question. Which exercises are the ones that you shouldn't go without as a triathlete? Well, you know, it's
1: interesting because that question, I, I, I would probably have answered that differently a couple of years ago. Huh. And uh, one of my mentors, Ian O'Dwyer, hi, Ian, if you're watching from Australia and Noosa. Um, Ian and I, uh, you know, we were some of the first people who said, let's put them under heavy load. And how can we uh, achieve that in the safest possible way? So a couple years ago, I might have said hex bar deadlift. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we're, what we're realizing from a performance standpoint is the, the hip complex. And this is one of the biggest things is if this is my sacroiliac joint, your SI joint, your, your hips really need to be able to what we call decouple. And so I'm going to change my answer. The one, the one answer, the, the one thing you cannot go without if you want to keep progressing as a triathlete, in my opinion, is going to be that Bulgarian split squat. And uh, we'll give the Bulgarians credit for it. I didn't name it. But (laughs) but basically, you're going to go into a nice long stride. Both feet are firmly on the ground, but the back foot is up uh, just a little bit. And the healthier the athlete is... Um, the more we might lift that back foot up a little bit. So that bit.
0: would be up on a platform? Yes. Or a, yeah, box. yeah. Yeah.
1: And then we and then we tend to move the upper body around a little bit. We've got tons of, of split squat variations, but uh, the Bulgarian split squat is single leg strength. Um, I think way more relevant than a single leg squat. Some of the, Some of the things that, you know, I don't want to get into what not to do, but, you know, sitting on a bench with both feet in front of you and just standing up from that bench when your pelvis is still here, but you're doing a single leg squat, um isn't as relevant that if that foot is behind you. Right. You know, so we want to make it look a little bit like running. If we're trying to really re-emphasize those landings, that's where we want to experience the most strength, is when our foot hits the ground.
0: And all along you're trying to replicate the things that happen to the body and the and the movement patterns that are happening to the body as we move as triathlete.
1: Yeah. We're going to look at the the weak points because there's always a weak point in the landing and gravity and ground has a, a tremendous impact on the body. And, and so we're going to kind of mimic that and we might use a warding pattern. So even if you put your hand up for a second there, this might be your hip. And in that, uh, single leg Bulgarian split squat, I might push a little bit Mm -hmm. and you kind of have to push back and that mimics that, uh, that gate where your hip does not fall out. And so I might push a little bit to mimic what it feels like when the ground comes up to Mm. meet your foot. So there's, it's not just, we don't want a lot of stuff that looks like swim, bike run. We want to create the forces that come at you, Okay. um, that you don't see.
0: Yep. Okay. Yeah. And so guys, keep the, keep the questions coming. We're getting some good ones. So there is a lot of talk about lifting heavy for females over fifty. Mm-hmm. In se- both in season and out of season. And um you know, I know Dr. Stacy Sims Love who's her. Yeah, everybody loves she her. She is magic. But she one of her thing is one of her um mantras almost has been about older women lifting heavy shit. Yep. And um, you know, where where do you sit on that and Yes. <laughs> yes, so it you know <laughs>
1: absolutely but you also need to do it very safely. Right. And I will also say and and I I know I Stacy Sims and I have not had coffee yet um but I look forward to the to the Once sit Stacey. down. Come on. <laughs> so so I look forward to that because I I concur completely and I understand completely where the science lies. But I'll also say that I did some um 10 second intervals this morning on my bike at 350 watts. That was incredibly hard. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to wonder if, if we have really good coaches and we're hitting really hard, uh, short intervals, do we need to put ourselves necessarily at risk? And I kind of know her answer is like, never put yourself at risk. Right. Because I feel like where we're going now, we need to pull back from that a little bit. Heavy stuff is really mind-blowing when you start to really feel the benefit because this hormonal response that we get but i also feel like um people are overestimating a little bit the the toll that it takes on your your skeletal system mm-hmm. and on your spine and on your discs and stuff like that so so i'm going to pull back just a little bit on that um that that your technique needs to be impeccable the learning curve can be up to 2 years 3 years which is why i think starting in your 30s and developing great technique um is is really really important yep. and yep. and i'm not even that you know hot and heavy on a ton of heavy loads going into 20 year olds um i i think we all have so many landings in our bodies and we need to be gentle
0: yeah. So yeah, I remember before I started deadlifting, I would just work for months on the actual technique yes. of doing it before you load. You're a very good deadlifter. I and love You it. like the straight I bar. love it. Yeah.
1: yeah. 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 Um But yeah, but. Because you can feel it when you go, when you go
0: train, you can feel the difference. Yeah. But the technique it has to be there before you load, put, put the, put the load Yeah, it's
1: never you can never compromise technique, and not everybody has the right anatomy for a a straight bar deadlift, right? And and not everybody has the right anatomy for a back squat, right? You know, so so being fed great information by educated people uh, is super super important uh, from a longevity standpoint because we only get one spine, and we only get so many discs.
0: Yes, (laughs) yes. So. Oh, well, this question coming up next, Todd says, I had my hip replaced last year and I'm starting to add weights back into my training. Is there specific squats I should stay away from?
1: Yeah, I would at this point, um, really advocate more towards the single leg stuff for, for anybody that's had knees or, or, or hips or anything. We really want to get you so solid on one leg because you're, you're, if you're, if you're watching this show, chances are you're a very good athlete and you will be a very good compensator. Hmm. And so what we see with people who start to unload, the brain is incredibly good at protecting us. So if one side is a little bit compromised, you're loading up the other side yep. a so little yeah, bit too much. right? Yep. So there's a lot of single leg strategies and very gentle progressions. So even just standing on one foot, that's one, that's where we begin. Well then stand on one foot and alternating arm reaches. That's a progression standing on one foot and be able to stabilize. So if you had a, a Uh, band, you would hold that band and I had to anti-rotate before I started rotating. So there's these beautiful little small progressions in a good program Mm -hmm. um, that can challenge the body and the brain to start to come together. And when they come together, that's when the magic happens, right? Mm -hmm. So I would really, anybody that's got a new hip or a new knee, or even just had compromises on one side or the other, really focus on these very subtle progressions through single leg loading strategies. Um, you know, and we also talk about vertical loading versus horizontal loading yep. versus, you know, reaction kind of loading. Like yep. if I play catch on one leg, that's loading.
0: So, yeah. Now, didn't I see you doing that with Rini like yeah. before
1: Kona? Yes. Yeah? We play a lot of catch and catch just makes people smile, but it also, it's, it's your brain and body coming together. Let's right. not let them be, you know, fighting each other. Yep. So yeah, catch is, catch is good. Yeah. It looked yeah, fun. All kinds of I was stuff. like, I'll do that. Yeah. yeah all day nice. long. Yeah. And think about it. Every time you reach over here, that loads your foot one way, You reach over here. Like I'm not such a bad catch thrower that I'm not picking my targets. Right. So for her to catch all over the place.
0: Well, and you both got basketball backgrounds too. So. Right.
1: And, and I will say that I've been very lucky to, in the last little while to, to be working with Sarah True. Um, and ah. Sarah is actually not very good at catch. And oh, so, Sarah. so just we've pulled out <laughs> on that. So we've actually been working on her catch. So okay. that's been super fun as well. And I think, you know, when you look at somebody who spends so much time right here, you know, let's let's lighten it up and do some stuff that that again, brain and body coming together.
0: Yeah, that's the hardest thing for triathletes, right? When you're always in one moving yeah. in one plane of motion. Yeah. 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 Uh excuse me. Which phase of training should I do plyometrics? Well, you know, plyometrics, um, that's yeah, going talk, be... talk to us a little bit about plyometrics and maybe explain to the audience, if, make sure everybody knows what, what we're talking about Plyomet- when we say plyometrics. Ply- plyometrics is the load and explode. <laughs> so there's
1: this little, it's called an amortization phase between the point where your foot hits the ground and the, and you propel off the ground. Plyometrics for some people are very slow off the ground. And I, I, I will say that Lauren Brandon is one of my favorite humans. I raise your hand if, if Lauren Brandon is one of your favorite humans, cause she's amazing, but she's, she's quite slow off the ground. Right. And she's a swimmer. So that makes sense. So for her, uh, I know she's working with a really talented strength coach now in park city and they're working on her elastic energy. Right. And so for Lauren, that's going to be really, really important. And, and so the percentage of time for her, um, is pretty high for her to spend time in plyometrics, quick off the ground, quick off the ground, this elastic response. Um, with Rini, on the other hand, um, Rini's, Rini's pretty naturally fast off the ground. So when she goes out for a, a 10 or a 15 mile run or whatever, and she's now working with Julie Dibbons as well. And I think Julie's going to have a lot of fun with Rini, um, because she's such an exceptional athlete. What we will do with Rini is a little bit more lateral, work, yep. um, plyometrics. Um, I do very little, um, linear stuff with Rinny because she's just so good at it and we don't want to wear it out. Right. So we need it to be in place for her training. Um, we, she really starts to feel good. Um, she likes to do plyometrics four days before Kona. Really? Not many people could handle that. Right. So, and and Tim doesn't like to do that much plyometrics, if any, from that week. So, everybody's going to be a little bit different. I want all of my athletes to be able to do plyometrics, but we really need to personalize um, when they do it. Um, So, I will typically, they have to be strong. You know, so I'll make them go through a very traditional, strong, phase of training. So if I'm starting with somebody in April as a, a new athlete, chances are they're not gonna see a plyometric workout until the next February. Right. Because that will have given us time in the off season to become very, very strong. Right. And so I think it's a little overrated, you know, for for what we need. Mm-hmm. You know, because if you're running and you're chasing speed, your plyometric is happening every and single run you, session. Right. Yep. So so I, I I'm a fan, but yep. But but it, um, with within reasons, kind of like tequila.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. Can we get some tequila? It's fun within reason. Um, <laughs> and sorry for the audience at home. Anybody watching that? I know we've had a few little Wi-Fi blips in and out a little bit. Um, so our apologies there. But we uh, well stay with us and keep the questions coming. Uh, yeah yeah. Erin's here. Just some. If somebody can just bring us some tequila, she'll be here. <laughs> she'll probably be here another half an hour or more. But um, I'd stay as long as you need me to. <laughs> So, what about when uh, we got a question here about um, Ironman preparation and how much strength and resistance training is would you suggest in, you know in an Ironman build? And, and what do you consider to be an Ironman build? Well, we, I, I, I'm going to defer to the program from the coach
1: first and foremost. Um, That coach should know their athletes to the point where I'm going to try to mimic, like sometimes they need more threshold work, which means I'm going to probably do more mobility work. Right. Sometimes they need more VO2 max work and shorter workouts. And I I think as we're starting to find that that the science is really talking, especially towards older athletes, um, 40 plus athletes, that we don't need as much volume as we used to, um, and especially if we've been in the sport for a while. So I think that, uh, an Ironman build, I'm going to look really at pure strength. I'm looking at low volume, high, high loading. Hmm. Um, my triathletes don't like to rest between sets that well. So traditional strength would say you need two to three minutes between sets. Well, that doesn't go really well. (laughs) So they, they get bored, you know, they, we, and we recover, I think we recover faster yep. than a football player, yep. you know? So I would say, um, we're going to be in a very strength focused build into an Ironman because if, if we're as a strength coach, I'm going to win the game every single time. If you show up on the start line healthy and I'm going to win the, the game every time, if your last two miles, you still have really good posture.
0: So you can always see that the athletes, especially in Kona, I think that's probably the coolest. You just
1: see them start to break and the tightness that comes in the joints on the front side of the body. So the anterior hip capsule, you know, just starts to get tight and then the hip gets tucked under and they're just kind of, you know, scooting along. So. So I'm really going to look hard at the pelvic position, the spinal position, and the posture. And and those are wins for strength coaches. Mm-hmm. So we're going to, you know, we talk a lot about core strength. I don't talk a lot about core strength. I'm going to talk way more about posture and yep. lower body strength. Yep. And yeah, the core happens between the two of it um, and needs to be resilient, mobile, you know, core stiffness and core tightness, I think, from too many planks with mm-hmm. no motion within them. You need to be mobile and mobility is typically a reflection of good strength and good healthy joint function. So,
0: And mobility is for you, the mobility is the platform from which everything else
1: A hundred percent. Because you can see people come in and they, it's, it's interesting in Boulder because so many people have so much access to to smart people, you know, who, who understand performance. And then somebody will come in from Dallas and I'm like, Whoa, like, this is fun. You suck, you know, (laughs) and no offense to Dallas, but, but we have just such, we, we forget sometimes how lucky we are in Boulder to to have so much, so many brilliant athletes who, who can teach us daily. Like they teach me daily. Right. So, uh, yeah, mobility and just, just, Ease of movement, you know that we want to see that before we start
0: adding a lot of external load. Yeah, and you have a lot of mobility exercises on your app. Right? Oh, the app is talk to us a little bit about the so app. Proud can of, can so proud of, I'm so proud of that. It? Yeah, the yeah. app, and and I know
1: that through January for the challenge, we we put up a whole bunch of programs, and even in reflection of this show, if we get enough um, interaction, I will be happy to put that up again for a couple of weeks because. The difference, uh, what we see in, in social media and our access to knowledge and, and what is everybody doing, like, what is Miranda Carfrey doing, what's Kara Goucher doing, and those kind of people, um, we're going to see one or two exercises. And there's exercises, and then there's workouts, and then there's programs. And I've already kind of alluded to those very subtle progressions. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I'm really proud of the app because it's given people all over, all over the world access to these subtle progressions within a program. So we can progress you uh, in a workout. But then the next workout is a little bit neurologically harder, mm-hmm. you know, but it's not, it's not a bunch harder. Yep. It's a little bit different. It's a little bit harder. Yep. And, and that progression and that journey is, is what I think keeps, keeps my athletes super uh, healthy and it keeps it interesting for their brain mm-hmm. and it keeps them coming back for more because I'm going to hit them with different kinds of challenges. Yep. So what we see on social media, one exercise at a time, be careful about just doing it because and expecting it to take you somewhere. I, I really think being in in a program um is important. And so here in twenty twenty, uh we have the app, we have the app programs. Our most popular program is the in season volume one which is a really nice progressive program. I know people are using it three and four times. Once you buy it once, you get it forever. So mm-hmm. you don't have to keep buying it. And you could just go around that program for the rest of your life and probably be pretty good. Um, I have volume two and there's volume three coming. And T.O. just launched his uh, – we just shared Tim's entire off-season program. Oh, cool. Um, so that is there. Um, and, you know, we just, we just keep learning more and more. And I think yep. – the more we learn, the, the more we want to share with our with our people. And yeah. You're our people, so we want to share with you. So,
0: Yeah, and so the app is available from the App Store, EC, EC Fit Boulder. It's Easy Fit and, Boulder. Yeah, and yep. we used it. We actually very kindly used it um, during the Triathlete Challenge, which we ran from January 1st throughout the month of January. Um, through a triathlete challenge Facebook uh, group that we started. Yeah, I think we had. I, I think just
1: from that in January, I think I had over two thousand downloads of the app wow. from okay. from you guys. Yeah. So yeah. your audience is massively engaged.
0: Yeah, we, we know that there's a lot of people out there who are super into learning more about strength training. Um, and so Erin was our strength coach for throughout the month of January for our triathlete challenge. The triathlete challenge will be returning in the summer. So, spoiler alert. Um, and um but people yeah were loving being able to log into the app and then follow the video follow the instruction and you know it, it doesn't hurt that you've obviously got rinnie and flora duffy and tio you know <laughs> yep. demo, d- demonstrating the exercises yeah, but that's exactly right that's a very that was a very useful resource because people were like oh i want to know how to do that exercise how do i do it with correct form and you know how many reps do i do how many sets do i do so i think um you know what you've got there is, is thank you is great um But yeah, so that's, so if you're still interested, I know there's, um, our Traffi Challenge Facebook group is still there. It's still in existence. We, we had, I think, 1,100, 1,200 members, um, uh, sign up for that. So just keep
1: talking to each other within that. You know,
0: sometimes you put something out and
1: don't, if you don't think it's important to, to respond or even just give some affirmation that it was a cool comment, like, let's engage. Let's keep the conversations going.
0: Yeah. Within our social media. In fact, we've got people saying, yeah, I use the app and I love it. Linda says, she always uses it, she loves it. And uh, yeah, so thank you, Linda. You <laughs> got a, you. you got a fan there. And Adriana wants to know if Erin knows she's the coolest person in town. <laughs> that's that's so nice. <laughs> she's one of my favorites too. i <laughs> keep the questions coming. We um yeah, Erin's here. So uh how long before a race should I cut out lifting for my taper? I mean, uh this person says, Oh, lifting really takes it out of me. So that's something that's that's an interesting question. Cause I know when I was racing, I used to love lifting. Like in that race week, I wouldn't lift super heavy, but I just did like to get it, a lift in. As, I think maybe as Rennie for-
1: says, it switches things on,
0: right? Yeah. And
1: I think that's part of the journey. So yeah. you know, for me, um, as an athlete, I like to cut my gym workout at least ten days out. So I'm, I'm going to do a lot of mobility. I'm going to do a lot of agility, footwork, um, that kind of stuff. I might do some quick jumps just to kind of turn dial my nervous system up. But I like to really focus on my bike and my run. And right. I probably should focus more on my swim, but I'm probably like most people. <laughs> just like, so I really want to spend more time uh, or the time that I have on my bike and, and my run. but. Um, that being said, I think the answer is probably different for everybody, but the most important thing is to pay attention. Like, what happened before some of your top-notch – and I, I'm going ga- to gather to a brick session. You know, if you can go into one of your key sessions, then you want to look three to five days before that key session, especially – only if you nail the session. If you nailed the session and you get home and you're like, yes, um, coach is gonna be so stoked with what I just did. You wanna have had a record. You wanna see what happened. That yeah. three to what, five what days. Led to you? Yep. yep. And so yeah, because I think I think for the most part everybody's different. But I'm happy to share. Like I, I to your point, like there's people that want to lift add external load, do some heavy deadlifting. Even if we just did five sets of three repetitions, yeah. um, four days before an Ironman, I would, three reps won't fatigue you, right? you know, and yeah. you should be pretty anti-fatigue going into an Ironman, but that might just really give you that hormonal pop. That might just give you some really, if you're feeling like a badass going into an Ironman, that's pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah. yeah. That's what you want. That's what you want. I've <laughs> never done one, but that's what I would want. Have you <laughs> done, you've no. never done one. Is that on the cards? Uh, I, you know, never say never, oh, okay. but, but I don't have a lot of
0: time. No, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, and what about heavy lifting like all year round? Like how does that, one of one of the questions we've been seeing yeah. is, uh, or some of the questions we've been seeing about heavy lifting and when it should be incorporated. Like, is that something you want to see all year round? I mean, obviously if people, some people don't respond well to heavy lifting in the race season, then
1: let's, let's look at that from the decades really oh so yeah so, age, you're, age specific, so yeah we'll yeah. just go 40 below and 40 above below 40 um you may or may not need that much heavy stuff
0: below 40 mm-hmm. right
1: because you're strong hormonally you know you're just you're in superman and superwoman f- phase of life but after 40 i, I think it sh- it needs to be quite frequent um but it doesn't need to be a lot right you know but it needs to be frequent um for sure so over 40 and if you haven't been doing it let's let's talk
0: let's get that going I just turned 40 Aaron. <laughs> it gets better get oh, back in the it gym it gets a more. it gets better <laughs> <laughs> and what about the other end of the spectrum like how much do you regularly uh, how, for people under 18 yeah what is strength training um you know Oh, it's magic. It's important. It's really important. You know, we've been, that's one of those
1: areas that has really evolved because I think all over the world, you're going to find people are like, Oh, you know, wait till they're fully developed. And I think when you're starting to add a, levels of external load. I, you just use a scale of one to 10, you know, there's very rarely an occurrence unless that, and, and I wouldn't probably coach uh, a 14 year old in powerlifting. That's probably not my jam, right. but I really think, um, when I'm coaching kids, cause I, I work with some 10 year olds, I work with a 13 year old, I have some 17 year old, um, the better their technique the, the braver I am with the load, right? If they're, if they cannot control their spine, um, they're not going to get very much weight, but if they can control their spine and brace through their core, um, to protect their spine, then, then I'm pretty brave. I'm, I'm not afraid to to load them pretty heavy. So each kid is going to be different, but we're, we're looking more than anything. If the kid's under 18, we're looking at postural control,
0: And is that something that they'd be doing weekly or more than once a week? Two or or three times a week. Right.
1: Because you look at some of the sports that these kids are playing. I mean, I'm an advocate of playing all different sports, even if they love to run. Like here in Boulder, our kids aspire to be Olympic marathoners. So they they go out at the age of 11 and they run. And I'm going to really hope that that kid wants to play a little volleyball, maybe get on the swim team, um, do do play some multi-planar sports. Like one of my first questions when I do a custom program for an athlete is what did you play before, tri- before triathlon? Before triathlete, yeah. And you had already mentioned today in our conversation about Rini being a basketball player. And, um, I know Crowy um, was a soccer player. Right. And that's not lost on me that both of those people ascended to the very, very top of their sport. Now, I also believe that Tim O'Donnell's going to win Kona this year, but he was a swimmer. So, you know, it's, it's, it's incredibly valuable when an athlete has moved yes. all around different directions and their body develops in a much more balanced way. Yeah. Um, so that when they do want to just run as fast as they can in one direction, um, they're just going to be probably much healthier.
0: Yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. So I know we've had some, a little bit of audio sound blipping in and out because of the Wi-Fi, um, but we, you will be able to watch the show indefinitely on Facebook later, so bear with us right now and keep the questions coming in. Um, as you can tell, Erin is an all-around expert, all-around superstar. So um, we still have a ton of questions that That's we've had. Oh cool. Yeah. So what is the best strength program for competing in both fast mile run racing and half Ironman's? We're seeing more and more people. Well,
1: let's just look at that hashtag of healthy before fit. Right. You know, and then there's this, then there's this whole concept of aesthetics. You know, Hmm. an athlete that, um, an athlete that is going to do the short, fast stuff is going to be a little more ripped. Hmm. And some, and those of us that do a little bit more of the long stuff, um, we're going to be a little bit doughier if we're doing it well. Because we need to really be good fat consumers. We don't want to be really hard bodies mm-hmm. going into an Ironman. And, and, uh, I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying that when Rinny goes and she's really ready to race Kona, she has a little bit of a belly at the start line.
0: You know, really? I've never seen a belly on Rinny. Well,
1: there's, the, since the baby, she's pretty ripped. But so, so that has changed her <laughs> hormonal profile a little bit, but, but that's a healthy, healthy, look for for an Ironman. But I think that some of us as age groupers too, like I like to look fit and I like to look healthy. So if I want to have a little bit more of an aesthetic that looks a little bit more like that short, fast one miler, Mm -hmm. um, then, then I'm going to, we can up the, up the strength training, work a little bit more towards muscle hypertrophy and muscle growth. Mm -hmm. Um, one of my favorite articles was a, about a triathlete, uh, guy in his forties, um, that, that was Shifted from Ironman training to CrossFit, and mm. he said, you know, he he was finishing the top of an, in his age group in Ironman, and he wanted to try CrossFit. And I'm, I you, it'll be hard to find me say anything bad about any kind of exercise, but you know, the, there's risks. There's always risk and reward. So he knew that uh, when he shifted to CrossFit, something would happen. He no longer podiumed in his age group, but he was ultimately happier. Right. Because lifting the heavier weights, um, d- feeling the hormone little pop that he, he got from that kind of fitness, um, was more, was better for his life. Mm-hmm. And it made him happier. So. There's there's a whole topic of mental health and and whatnot that can be positively impacted yeah. through lifting weights and and that's a big topic and I'm sure you could find somebody much smarter than me but that's a big topic and well the, I think so, the
0: hormonal response especially when you're in a, a big block of endurance training the hormonal response to lifting and strength work is you know I I've, it helps. I've, definitely felt that yeah um and so i think that's maybe what sometimes people can identify with that you know it's just, just like a it's a, like you say it's pop that you just don't get from that long slow grind of endurance training right, but, right. yeah and both are both are necessary like you you need the slow grind right grind i guess right <laughs> oh and we've had some questions from insta about balancing ultra training with um triathlon strength training oh, so like combining the- so much fun yeah, I've just been working with some of the ultra community
1: here in Boulder. Yeah, it's a, it's a strong community. It's really yeah. interesting. And they're not traditional gym people.
0: Right. So but they, but they're tapping into the, the tap, notion of yeah. like, Oh, I've got to be strong to put these, these miles through my body. And
1: because you think about it, think of how irritated we get as triathletes. If, if the road we're running on is a little canted. Right. We're like, oh, it's a horrible course. <laughs> we had to run in the gutter. It was like this, but ultra runners choose that. And they're going to choose this trail and then that trail, and then straight up over a rock. And right leg has to get all the way up on something, and then I have to run downhill as fast as I can and be able to be agile. So the 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 ultra runners are a hoot, um, and and the triathletes who go run on the trails, the freedom of their brains just really free up wow. because they're in the trees and and they're doing more agility stuff. So um, foot position, we play a lot with foot position because mm-hmm. your body, your eyes ultimately want to be straight. Um, right. so even if your hips are this way, your head's going to go this way, you know? So we do a lot of, um, off training. So we'll use the balance boards to put the right foot uh-huh. a little higher than the left foot. We might play catch. We might deadlift out of that position, not super heavy, but we want the body to be able to figure out different, um, environments. So right. that, that has been really a kick in the pants and uh-huh. that group of people, they're, they're, they're just different.
0: They're different people. That must be quite different to working with triathletes. I would imagine. Yes. Yeah. They're way more go with the flow. Hey, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, uh, Rachel Joyce, I don't know if she's watching, but Rachel Joyce is, um, she, she signed up for Leadville 100 this I year. know. I'm so and psyched for she her. She just started a strength program yesterday. Well, she just resumed strength training yesterday cause she has been putting a lot, a lot of run miles through her body and she's like, Oh, I need to be strong in order to put this number of miles through my body. So yeah, yeah, we can expect to see some fun stuff come out of, out of her. I think this year, I think she's going to enjoy it. Yeah. So anyway, some more questions. People at home, please keep typing in your questions. Uh, we're still here. We're still live. Erin's still going strong. Um, I know I only
1: looked at my clock once, but we're rocking this. We're good.
0: <laughs> What's the quickest way to strengthen glutes and core? I know when it comes to core, you'll <laughs> take okay. a sharp and take a breath. but. Um, eh. So glutes, we the, know how important glutes are for triathletes. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's funny that people think they should just go strengthen their glutes. I'm going to precursor that with uh there's a reason the glutes, you have to go back one step and this is probably one of the biggest, um, things to understanding glute activation. First of all, when a physical therapist or somebody tells you that your glutes are not firing, let's just be I hear clear. That a lot. They do fire. Your glutes fire. <laughs> they just might not optimally fire. So let's, let's be real. They're there. They're busy. But I was in the gym today and um, Ty Butterfield... Run, it's resurging. I mean, he's an amazing athlete. Right? He looks great right now. Does, talking about aesthetics. Oh, he, he always looks good.
0: <laughs> That's okay,
1: Nikki. So the, but he, he was in there and we were talking about piriformis, which, you know, we look at the layers of the hip and when we run a lot and when specifically when we bike a lot, there is something that happens on the front side of the hip mm-hmm. that we have to acknowledge uh, before we start to really start figuring out how to activate and strengthen and build glute strength and power. So I'm gonna call it the capsule, the anterior hip capsule, Mm -hmm. because a lot of people like to blame the psoas muscle. Mm -hmm. I have a tight psoas, therefore my glutes don't fire.
0: You wanna show everybody where your psoas is Uh,
1: and where- Your psoas attaches in the (laughs) inside of your femur. um, And it also attaches all the way up just to the front of your spine, right, uh, kind of uh, inferior to your rib cage. and inside, obviously to the, to the, to the spine. But there's, there's a whole bunch going on in there besides the psoas. There's the iliacus, which actually helps attach the psoas to the the hip bone. There's also that big muscle down the front of the quad, the, the rectus femoris that also crosses the hip. So we're here blaming the psoas. And if we just talk negatively about the psoas all the time, he's going to get a complex. <laughs> and in my world, it's a he, I don't know why, but, but we try to just, let's just soften that. And let's just say, Everything on the front side of the hip needs to be opened and a little bit more elastic and a little bit more mobile Mm -hmm. through the front side of the hip. Now, once we can take the time to open up the front side of the hip and open up the rib cage and create some space between the ribs and the hips, then we can start to activate and use Bulgarian split squats, use hex bar deadlifts, use back lunges, use lateral lunges, use mini bands. We can use so so many different strategies to activate and, and target the glute function. Mm-hmm. So we're really going to talk about function. We're really going to talk about, um, decoupling the hips to have a healthy hip motion. Um, but that, 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 that opening up the, the anterior hip capsule needs to happen before you start loading the backside of the hip. So that's my biggest secret in the world. And I just shared it with everybody here today. So mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: How, but talk to us a little bit about how that happens how you open up that anterior that front of the hip
1: well i think the first thing to notice and, and i've really started to become a student and, a, and good friends with dr eric goodman with foundation training and and he talks so much and he's just worth listening to and he's got a beautiful ted talk and he's going to explain um about decompressing the spine about expanding the rib cage about creating space between the ribs and the hips because the psoas should be long and mobile it should not be tight but when we get on 112 miles for the bicycle, he's going to shorten Mm -hmm. and we need him to then be really happy to lengthen as well. So I use a lot of foundation training with my athletes now Um, at foundation training. They've got a beautiful streaming service that uh, people can do eight to 10 to 12 minute sessions daily. Most of my athletes do the streaming service. Um, And and then I'm going to start to develop programs around the foundation that will add external load so that you're putting yourself in the best possible physical um, structural position before you start adding that external load. And then you're going to just postures better, glute activations better, and then we're going to have a better chance to just strengthen the entire system. Right. So that that length is really, really important. Rib cage expansion, important. Spinal decompression, important. Um, and all leading towards glutes. Because if you just went in the gym and did a bunch of squats, t- chances are very good your spine would be loaded pretty heavy. Um, your, your low back would probably not work as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it would take more load than it probably should. Because if the glutes are not functioning optimally, the hamstrings and the low back are going to start coming up to take that additional load and they're more of a backup singer that they need to just kind of hang on and let the let the glutes do the heavy lifting so setting yourself up for success sometimes it takes me 25 minutes to get an athlete's body ready to To load yep And, and I think we then have a good chance of being successful yeah. at building s- glute strength.
0: And if there isn't that precursor work, that's when people get start to get hurt or start to get too tight. or Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Because
1: we're good compensators.
0: Right. Uh, so we've got a question from Josiah who says, As an age grouper, I'm competing in Ironman 70.3. My training load ranges from 8 to 16 hours a week with training six days a week. I have a physical job and I'm on my feet a lot. I work 40 to 45 hours a week. How do you manage using strength training, all that work, and still get the volume in? By valuing the 15-minute gym session. So By, if, if it is like about 15, 20 minutes that you can put on the back of a swim workout or...
1: Yeah, and if you look at my Instagram story today and yesterday, like there's still some left from yesterday. I'm really starting to push um, the relationship that I have with Viper Pro. Um, I think, and I am, I I'm with you, Josiah. I mean, I work 40 to 50 hours a week. I train eight to 16 hours a week and I want to be good. You know, I don't want to suck at things. So what I've done, even though I own a gym and I'm at work, Mm -hmm. I've actually built a very nice small group of things to have at my house. Mm. And, uh, the Viper is on my Insta story. Um, it's a long weighted tube. It's not that ugly, actually. You could put flowers in it, <laughs> a, a bottle of tequila. You're Like it, it, it's not an, it's not a, your home gym doesn't have to be massive. Like most people will have their pain cave. This is going to be a really cool compliment. So I would like to see people have two light kettlebells, two moderate kettlebells and two heavy kettlebells. Right. And I'd like to see them have a, a light and a moderate Uh, Viper. So that to me and a couple of bands, Mm -hmm. that's a perfect home gym. And that way, Mm -hmm. when you get off your bike and your kids want to hang out with you, you can just say, dad needs 12 minutes to do these four things. Yep. And then boom, the gym got done. Yep. So, I'm trying to build as many relationships as with companies as I can to help us as triathletes because I also recognize how expensive the sport can be. Yeah. So we've got some discount codes for these things, and um, I'm I'm pretty excited. And I want here in 2020 and through 2021. I tend to be pretty patient person. I I want people, even though I own you own a gym, and I think you should join a gym. Um, I, I think I'm being paid to say that. Um, I want you to have stuff at home. Yeah. Even Sunday mornings, if you get up at 3 a.m. so you can get a five-hour bike ride done before, like in the basement, before everybody the family gets up. If you have these things in your basement, um, I'm going to give you strategies to use them in a really exciting um, and healthy way.
0: Yep. Yeah. And I think it's really good then to get that you you can get that frequency in and that consistency in. If you know if, it, if it's a struggle to get to the gym sometimes when you've got work, totally. life, family, everything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah having yeah. A, having a
1: few good things at home and. Um, to that point, I, I'm very excited about the Viper Pro training that we're doing now and keeping in mind that my athletes are starting, they're keeping evolving, right? I started with Tim and Rinne, uh seven or eight years ago, mm-hmm. and we've been really healthy through these whole this whole journey. And so finding ways now um, out, outside of adding more and more weight, we use with the Vipers, we use um, if you move load with some speed, it, it when it gets at the end, it's actually almost twice the weight. Right. that when you started moving it. So yep. we use a, a technique called loaded movement training um, with a lot of our athletes now. Mm-hmm. So we're not adding vertical load. We're moving through through space and time. So yep. all of that is going to be available on the app and also um, from other places we're excited to talk about later. <gasps>
0: Secrets coming soon. Secrets soon. Yeah, we had a question about kettlebells. Actually, you yeah. just mentioned kettlebells, yeah. but um, Love kettlebells. are they effective, especially for masters athletes? And I think you've, you've kind of just answered that. But yeah, talk talk a little well, bit more about.
1: There's so many ways. I mean, everything is just external load, right? So kettlebells. If you if you Google kettlebells, they're going to give you a lot of swings. Yeah. Um, I use swings to an extent, but perhaps less than maybe a lot of people, because again, you're, once you start adding speed, it's a variable that can increase risk.
0: Right. So
1: yeah. I like kettlebell swings and I like people just to not have to do a lot of heavy kettlebell swings until they get really good at it. So Um, I know that Jacob Riley, um, and his strength coach at Rally Sport, Jacob just qualified for the, the U.S. Olympic marathon team. Um, Jacob was doing beautiful strength training and he did a lot of good heavy swings, but the work and the prog, the progression to get him into that, that place, um, was, probably took months mm-hmm. to get them there. So just because you can, doesn't mean you should. Right. Um, we use the kettlebells for a lot of stability work. We'll use the bottom up position. So just grabbing the handle and putting the ball up top yep. that actually has a lot of core activation. Yep. Um, we'll use it for single arm rowing. It's just kind of c- can be in the place of a, of a dumbbell a little bit yep. and, and dumbbells in your home gym tend to take up a little bit more space. Right. So we're, we're kind of using them, uh, yep as as load but
0: maybe not in a big swingy way yeah we do swing i've seen you doing the turkish getup that's one of your favorites love isn't it? the With turkish the... get up yep. yeah yeah so yeah some of the, so a lot of these uh i mean i know we've uh included some of those exercises in uh the 30 minute strength feature you wrote for us in our i think it was the issue before last um and then some of that we'll definitely put online um but yeah a lot of these a lot of these exercises you can see on erin's um, app ec fit boulder yeah so, thanks um Another question about women and training: Do you vary your strength and conditioning programs depending on the female cycle? Not yet. (laughs) Yeah, that's another Stacey Sims thing. That's one of her. It's
1: it's one of those things. I'm. I'm just kind of coming up to speed and I'm a big fan of the work that Dr. Stacey Sims has been doing and that the, the feedback and the proof is in the pudding and the proof is in the performance. And I am really excited, you know, to, to become much more proficient in, in that genre because mm-hmm. I think it's incredibly, incredibly important. Right. So um, I listen to my athletes when they come in. I say, how are you feeling? I listen to what they're saying. I think a little bit, um, very non, I, I don't know the science behind it, but when an athlete, when a female athlete comes in, she, I don't feel that good today. Then I don't overload her. You know, I'm not going to say, well, when did you start your cycle? But I probably will now.
0: Yeah. But, but yeah. I do
1: listen, um, to their emotional state. And yeah. I'm lucky because when I get most of my athletes, I see them. And so their emotional state matters. Um, but she, it, it, Stacey Sims is magic and I'm, I'm going to become a better strength coach because of the work that she is doing.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think there's a lot there for people to, to, at home to take, take away from as well as like listen to your body when you're going to go into the gym to do a strength session. If it's, even if it's 15, 20 minutes, listen to how you're feeling. You know, if you've just, if you aren't, if you are flat, if you are, you know, super, super fatigued from a big week, then. Yeah, Yeah. that's. I think that's a big part of your training methodology and training mindset that I think people can apply to whatever they're doing.
1: Even just today, I mean, I came both, I I was working with uh, Justin Metzler and Jeannie Seymour and and every now and then they work out together. They're a happy couple, it makes them happy and it's time that they get to spend together. They did totally different things today, but both of those athletes came in off of a two-week training camp, um, Jeannie was in Florida with with Coach Kropelnicki. Um, Justin was with Coach Dibbins, and then we went into the gym and I cut their session ten minutes short because they just didn't need any more. They right. were they did good work for thirty minutes and then they got out of here yeah. and they went and had lunch, which the, was
0: brilliant. It's the quality, not the quantity. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are your favorite exercises to train the posterior chain? Mm. Or maybe you should tell everybody what the posterior chain is. Posterior chaining.
1: chain, everything on the back. It's going to translate. It's, gonna it's trans- a fancy way to yeah. say everything on your back. <laughs> I, love, I love it when trainers overspeak. I try not to too much. That happens a lot. I think one of my favorite exercises actually, once we get really good shoulder function, is going to be to have a really long cable and just squat and reach and then up and row, and get those hands way up over the head in a Y, a big Y, and what that does to your shoulder blades and how it throws them down on your ribs, and it just opens everything up. So one of the biggest key, uh, parts of, of the success, I think of my athletes is that we always open up the front side of the body first. So we talked about the capsule on the hip. We're going to open up that for hip capsule, but we also have to open up the clavicles and we have to mm-hmm. open up the shoulders. I mean, everything we do internally rotates, right? And, and then let alone if yep. you're here and people who are you know, maybe working a desk job. Oh, for, even, yeah. I mean, that, felt amazing just for me. Everyone yeah, right looks, now looks amazing thumbs to the back and just make sure that your shoulders Shoulders don't creep up around your ears. Let your shoulder blades drop on your back and just really hold. It feels amazing, doesn't it? Everybody here in the office is now doing. Kirk, our video (laughs) director, is doing it. It Looks great. But we talked. uh, I had just come back from Hawaii and I saw these two um, older gentlemen out for a run. And a, yay, they were out for a run. But b, they were running looking directly down at the ground. And I was like, oh, that's so sad that they have that their posture is so bad. And then all of a sudden, they both stopped. And they looked up. So they could see where they were going and then they went back to running. <laughs> I was just like, I just want them to do this. Yeah. And chances are that they might not even be able to do that at that point. But I think that that's probably my favorite exercise. So you can put it, attach it to a low cable or a, a really light band yep. and just grab it and just squat and stand and just load up that whole backside of the body. Nice and strong, yep. big posture, glute fire. Um, you could even take it into a little bit of a calf raise. It's magic. It's good, good stuff. Like that's- at the end of a bike ride, that would be a beautiful yeah. way to come. Kind of reset
0: those and activate yep.
1: the backside of the body.
0: Yep. Perfect, Erin. We're coming in towards the end of our questions now, so I think we're going to wrap it up. But, yeah, um, cool. Thank you so much for everything today, Uh, everybody. yeah, You can check out Erin's app, EC Fit Boulder, and her website. She's always on, uh, not always on social media, I'm, but I'm on social media. She's a on lot. social it's media okay. a lot, yeah. so <laughs> she'll answer your questions. If you have follow up questions, she'll answer those, um, and you can rest assured that she'll be she'll be back here on Triathlete Magazine. Uh, sometime in the very near future, I'm sure. Um, uh, uh, The show will be on Facebook and on our website for uh, forever. Lives on the internet forever. So um, please tune in. Please feel free to follow up with us. And uh, we will be back with Next Triathlete Live on March 31st, Tuesday, March 31st at 1 p.m. Mountain Time. And that will be with uh, Coach Ryan Bolton. And so, yeah. So uh, don't miss that. And thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Mahalo. Peace.